Hey, beautiful human. If you are craving real talk and genuine connection, then you find yourself in the right place. Welcome to the Human Hour Podcast with Christine Barnes and Katie Kurtz, your perfectly imperfect co-hosts who subscribe to the notion that the more real, the better. We have conversations that go straight to the heart of the matter and leave you feeling a little less lost and a little more connected. So welcome back to the Human Hour podcast, friends. I'm Katie Kurtz with our co-host, Christine Barnes, and we are so excited to have one of our dearest friends all the way from the UK, Pippa, who's here today, and we just can't wait to dive in to the show. Pippa Parfait is an internationally certified life and freedom coach, kinesiologist, writer, and trainer on a mission to inspire and support women around the world using her heart-centered but powerful coaching style to find another way to live their lives by reconnecting with their soul values and desires and using them as their action-taking sat-nav. She has a background in senior management, is a qualified teacher and trainer, as well as having a real passion for kinesiology and listening to your body. Where possible, she blends all these aspects into her work with clients. Pippa works with bloody brilliant women who know there's got to be more to life. She works with the control freaks, the perfectionists, the strivers, the give myself a hard timers, and the secret not good enoughers who are finally screaming enough now. They know there's got to be another way and they're committed to showing up for themselves to find it. Pippa is what you might call an outgoing introvert who has a penchant for purposeful action and believes in making friends with fear and in the power of vulnerability authenticity, and courage. When she isn't working, you'll find her somewhere in the countryside, by the ocean, or curled up in front of the log burner, reading a book, we're watching Netflix, with a ginger cat or two. So welcome, Pippa. Hi there. Wow, it's amazing listening to your biography being read out by somebody else. That's really cool. Um, And side note, it's probably the most badass biography I've heard. I'm like listening to it, I'm like, uh, I like need this woman in my life. Oh wait, she already is. That's how <laughs> lucky was, I am. It was the cast, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, if I had to introduce you, Peppa, at a happy hour, I would first tell people how we connected. Actually, you, Christine and I all connected in San Francisco um, in 2016 because we were all in the same beautiful You Coaching Academy uh, program together. And I... Uh, had the joy of being, we were in the same cohort. So like, I always knew via the phone or, or, you know, the, the interwebs, but to meet you in person was a delight and you are a witty as fuck (laughs) British woman. I don't even know. Like, I just, I adore you. And I'm so excited that you're on the show. You have so, I just can't wait for everyone to soak up all of the truth telling you're going to offer us today. So welcome. Oh, thank you so much. I'm witty as fuck. I'll take that. That's, yes, maybe uh, add that to your bio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is what is missing. Fantastic. <laughs> so I, we love to start the show by asking you um, to share two fun facts, but I'm actually going to make you share three fun facts. And I'm going to make you share your first fun fact is a prerequisite to share with people the full definition of your name because I, <laughs> it's the coolest thing ever. And then you can choose your other two fact, fun facts. Okay. Um, it's kind of handy, my name, actually. Um, so my surname Parfait means 
Well, it means perfect in French. Um, so hence the, the my, my business title, which is Parfait Not Perfect. Um, and it's, it also gets used for desserts and puddings. And I kind of don't understand why, because I don't, I, I'd love to say that I'm French and I can kind of speak it a little bit, but not massively. Um, but yeah, Parfait is kind of like a, a pâté, but a bit smoother. And then a pudding, it's kind of like, I don't know, creme brulee but more exciting <laughs> I don't even know how to <laughs> but yeah it's, uh, it's it. I get comments on it all the time and it's uh, it's kind of handy yes and alliteration too I obviously oh, yeah. Katie Kurtz I love alliteration awesome yes. so please indulge us in two fun facts about yourself yeah I don't quite know what to confess to to be honest with you <laughs> um Okay, so I've probably got a slight why this probably goes from a lot of the um, a lot of the world actually, but a slightly unhealthy obsession with Shonda Rhimes television series. Mm, me I've been too. A, yeah, I've been a Grey's Anatomy fan from series one, and then everything else that she's brought out has just been freaking awesome. So yeah, that's probably fun fact number one. And it's uh, it's out of Grey's, and uh, well, there is no scandal left now either. No, it's so uh, sad. <laughs> Uh, next season now so uh, yeah so tv has just gone downhill massively um and the other one's going to make me sound like such an old woman I mean I have such a rock star lifestyle uh, but I've become a little bit obsessed with house plants this year hmm. I, I kind of I've spent the first 20 adult years of my life killing just about every house plant I mean it's amazing I've kept my cats alive um but for some reason I've, I've got tons of house plants this year and they're all still living so hey I think that's what middle age must do to you I love it. Uh, plants are like a big deal. I kill. Every, I feel like I kill them just looking at them, but they're wonderful. It's almost become a bit of a challenge. And my mother, um, I don't, I didn't know whether to take this as a compliment or not. The other day, my mother said to me, uh, "You're very obviously loving them," as if I was somehow like having a conversation with them every day to keep them. <laughs> I <laughs> hear you're supposed to talk to plants. Yeah, apparently, it's like so, a thing. So. So I'm going to take that as a good thing. And, and that was that. So yeah, hey, you know, throw in a couple of cats and you've got yourself a real rock star there, right? <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Rock star in my books, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's great. So getting into these questions that we love asking our guests. And I think this first one is so great, considering that you talk to your plants and probably <laughs> your cats. How else do you keep it real and human? That's about as real and human as it gets. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. That, it, it, I was, funnily enough, I was, after listening to the first two episodes of your podcast, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, and it's interesting. The, the honest, if I'm being brutally honest with you, the honest answer is I often don't. I often get um, caught up in my own bullshit massively, like just like everyone does. I get sucked into um, Instagram envy and Netflix binges and oh my god don't even get me started if I start watching Ellen videos on YouTube <laughs> like three hours has gone and I'm ruined I'm just like broken um I mean I've got really massively better over the last few years at catching myself mm -hmm. and I guess that's probably where the really human aspect comes in with that kind of thing I um it's that kind of, I suppose, that bounce back, that whole, oh, wow, you've gone down the rabbit hole again and, you know, you pull yourself back up again. But um, it was interesting. I, um, I took a, a new job last uh, May 17 and 
I'd kind of just got my business off the ground after we all met in San Francisco in, um, in uh, November 16. And um, this new job was just like um, soul sucking, you know, massively, you know, great company, great job, great opportunity, all of the things that we were all meant to um, strive for and, and so on. And before I knew it, six months had passed and I'd kind of massively gone down the rabbit hole. I was totally sucking up my own nonsense again. I was working crazy hours um, and, and I ended up really ill. So uh, kind of that really does bring you back to this idea of, you know, being just happy with being okay with yourself, you know, forget, forget perfectionism, forget procrastination, forget all of that kind of stuff that we all, you know, we took, spend a lot of time talking about. Um, when suddenly you find yourself when somebody diagnoses you with a you know fill in the blank condition mm-hmm. um, I, I hate that phrase kind of you get a reality check but you really do you know you kind of just go okay no I'm not about to die but um, yeah I really do need to take stock of what's going on in my life now and all of this stuff just really doesn't matter that really does bring you back to real in a massive way mm-hmm. and you kind of come back to what's actually important it doesn't matter about the job or the title or the followers or any of those bullshit stats that we have somehow convinced ourselves that that is what we're all striving toward right but no it is actually just being happy that is the only goal you know waking up and feeling okay with ourselves and at peace with ourselves and how we're living our lives that's the ultimate end goal that we've all kind of pushed to the side and I think it's so important that you say that. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, I couldn't agree more. I, um, I was, I suppose I was quite shocked at myself. Um, and it was a real, again, great phrase, but not a real wake up call because I thought, and I think this happens once you sort of travel down a, a conscious self-development path by which I mean, you're actually intentionally working on yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of, <laughs> you, you kick yourself into thinking, yeah, nailed it awesome crushed it it's amazing and then you you sort of look back after it and you think I, I thought I'd, I thought I'd figure that out I thought I'd got that bit that particular bit sorted and it wasn't until I'd been in the job for six months and I looked back and went how have I how have I done that again how have I let this um seemingly important you know very amazing big ass job thing um which I had no love for me don't get me wrong great job but I had no love for at all and all it actually did was take me away from all of the things I really did love my home Mm. and my self-care and my meditation practice and all of those things that I really genuinely valued um if you got me in a quiet moment and asked me to talk about them um were just abandoned at the drop of a hat and it was a real it was a real shock it was one of those real um kind of leveling moments when you suddenly wake up one morning and go wow I mean I literally parceled that stuff up and put it in the trash uh, as if I didn't care about it at all Mm. which is crazy Mm. Um, you know because they really are the most important things to me so Mm. I love that you shared and I think it's the most human thing and the most real thing to say that you don't always keep it real or human (laughs) I mean like but truly, I mean, when you think when you said that, I was like, oh my God, like, yeah, that's so right. And I think the most human thing we can do is to be aware of when we're masking or denying our humanness, whether it's getting caught up in the fear, albeit perfectionism, or you know, the Instagram envy, which we're all familiar with. I mm-hmm. mean, let's be real. Uh, uh, and 
that we have to like catch ourselves and be, you know, we, Christina, I always talk about like self-awareness is just, it's it. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm sure you agree in the self-development personal growth world, like mm-hmm. it all begins and ends with self-awareness, but a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like catching ourselves when we're not being human and then shifting back and, and just reminding ourselves of that is so, it's so powerful. And like that, that's the practice. Uh, so mm-hmm. I love, I love that answer. Oh yeah. So good. And, and listen, you know, I'm just grateful that only six, seven months went by before, you know, I got the proverbial slap in the face <laughs> of realization rather than, you know, six years ago. So I, I guess that kind of catching yourself in the act thing is still working if you like. Um, mm-hmm. but, but wow, did I go down the rabbit hole? I mean, I, I, you know, I, uh, short version of a long story as I ended up with a fairly serious heart condition so um which I'm pleased to say is now um pretty much resolved quite 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 knows how but um apparently I'm now pretty much entirely fixed which is crazy so um but it took me leaving my job in um I resigned in February and I left at the end of May literally a couple of weeks ago um to kind of bring my stress levels and all of those things back to to normal and to really start over the last few few months focusing on being human again you know being okay with not performing and trying to please everybody and not trying to get into these um crazy ass uh dick measuring competitions of you know who is better than this and you know who can out achieve that person because it's exhausting and it's not the place where i live um and but you know it's very easy to take yourself back to a way that you've lived for a very long time mm-hmm. yeah yeah that that reminds me so much too of of the book um the untethered soul by mark singer yes. and how he talks about like how we all carry these like a thorn in our side or like a almost like a rose, how there's thorns. And like, sometimes we do all our, like our best to just keep that, the wound clean and like, keep it there, but we never think to actually just take the thorn out. Uh, And it's so funny because I think, I mean, I, I know we all have this love for all these books, all, all the Brene Browns and the Glennons and all these books. And it's, it's so interesting when you line up all of the who's who of personal development, uh, how so many people, in their journeys had to have that wake up call, um, in some way, whether it's rock Mm -hmm. bottom or a high bottom or whatever it may be, a a health scare, um, that sometimes the universe needs to give us like a a big slap in the face and be like, Hey, Hey, like wake up. (laughs) And, And isn't it funny how, when you look back in these things, um, and, and it's fantastic with hindsight. I love 2020 hindsight. It's amazing because you, you, you kind of get the other side of the wake up call um, or the, uh, what, what, what does Brene call it? The goddamn spiritual awakening. Mm. Um, you, you get the other side of that and you look back at it and think, ah, yeah. Okay. So the universe did nudge me to be mm-hmm. fair to her. She mm-hmm. did give me a little gentle nudge and then she poked me a bit harder and then she poked me a bit harder and then she took a, took a ruddy great spade and whacked me around the head with it because I wasn't listening, you know, and, and you can see that with hindsight. And I think that's what I mean when I kind of talk about that, that pickup rate, you know, you get increasingly better at hearing those nudges. Um, and that's one of the reasons why kinesiology is something that's so important to me because it's, um, it's a way of hearing those nudges through your body um, as, as a way of sort of tapping into your intuition 
not all of us, uh, myself included, are always amazing at tapping into their intuition. And it's just another tool in the bag, really, to um, to allow you to do that. But anything that allows you to not end up with the spade around the head, really. Oh, yes. That's yes. incredible. We hit on intuition and trying to listen to it, hone it, I swear, on every episode now. And it's something that's so important, too. And so, Pippa, I kind of wanted to ask you this question. So, with your health scare and everything kind of like coming to a halt, if you will, do you think there was a chance that you could have stayed in that job and continued down that path? Wow. Now that is a big question. Um, that's going to require me to be quite honest, I think. Um, Please do. Yeah. That's why we're here. <laughs> I, uh, I was just, I was just wondering whether I could bullshit you as well as myself. At the same time. Like, I probably can't. Um, nope. <laughs> no. Had, had I, if I had a few more tools in the box, I think, and mm-hmm. if I'd spotted it early enough and if I'd felt like taking a stand um, on sort of leadership in the workplace and um, and the environment around women leading in the workplace and the styles of leadership, um, then yes, I could have stayed in that in that company. And it isn't my lifelong purpose. Mm-hmm. It isn't what I want to do um, and all of those things. But hey, it was a very well paid job and um, I could have been quote unquote very successful in that field. Mm-hmm. Do I particularly want to be very successful in that field? No, not especially. Um, but could I have rescued it? Yeah. Did I want to? Really not. I think it, I mean, I, I, I take my part of responsibility for letting it go as far as I did. And mm. I probably could have pulled it back that I could have stayed another six months. Had I, had I taken my own health seriously, really? And I think there's a really important thing here. And been prepared to go to my... I don't want to get into too much detail because I don't want to um, accidentally slander my ex company. Um, But um, had I been prepared to go to my uh, senior managers, uh, managing director and what have you and say, um, I'm really struggling. I can't work at this pace. This level of stress isn't okay. Um, Had I been prepared to have those conversations and be perceived as not being as ballsy as everybody else or mm. somehow failing or not, we're back to the dick measuring competition again. Um, had I been happy to do all of those things, then yes, because I could have nipped that in the bud much sooner. But that's kind of probably predominantly what I mean about going back down the rabbit hole. It's that going back into the people pleasing and the being approved of and mm-hmm. the... Um, being the best, being perceived to be really important, um, being even ironically, even though I had no desire to progress to the next director level and, and so on and so forth, being perceived to be the person that would be, even though I would have said no if I'd been offered it. So, mm. um, yeah, it's difficult to kick those kind of habits when you've had them for a very long time and when life has been very much about mm-hmm. um, proving yourself, proving yourself through your position and your salary and, you know, um, and your behavior in the workplace in terms of, I don't know, how many people you're prepared to stand on and on, on the way to where you're going. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't help either when these kind of things or these abilities just come so natural and it just feels so easy 
But at the same time, I always thought of it as living this double life. Like I always kept the two very separate from one another and there was no intertwining the two or there was no bringing them together. It was either the day job or the business on the side. And that takes its toll on your body and your emotional, mental, even physical health too. Oh God, I I couldn't agree more. I, um, it's so difficult to conceive of me showing the real me to my employed colleagues, you know, Mm -hmm. the colleagues that expect me to be ball breaking Pippa, expect me to the Pippa that goes out and, you know, disciplines managers and, um, you know, sets up deals and, you know, brings home the project and all this kind of stuff. It's incredibly masculine. I don't mean male driven, but masculine energy driven. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's not a way that I would want to manage. And I mean, I've had a, a few instances and I'm sure you must have experienced the same, Christine, that where I've come back from a really long day in the office and I've had a gathering with another coach or a couple of coaching friends of an evening. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, ta- it's taken really conscious effort for about an hour of the beginning of that get together to switch my energy. I'd never noticed it before because they'd always been very, very separate. Mm-hmm. But I'd, I'd come blustering into some kind of gathering and I'd be all macho shit and mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, 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 let's do it. And it's like, oh, fuck off. God, you're buying into your own BS, Pippa, come on. So, yeah, it's... Um, but if I'd have taken... If I'd have taken the real me, I mean, God, you know, the idea of taking the real me into that kind of environment terrifies me. And I'm, I don't scare easily, but it really, it really does terrify me. I'd be some kind of um, woo woo, you know, floaty skirt wearing flowers in my hair. Weirdo. (laughs) 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 You know, no disrespect to flowery skirts wearing weirdos out there, obviously. But, but I just, it's just the two are completely incongruous. You know, they don't, they don't mm-hmm. fit together at all. Um, and I have incredible respect for um, women coaches and, and actually is an area I'm looking at from my business's point of view, but um, for women in the workplace who are championing that different, um, more feminine driven management style, because it's incredibly valuable. Um and desperately needed um, in these very masculine um, driven environments. And again, the distinction being not male driven, but masculine driven where the women are conforming to, you know, male ideals, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, did I want to be that person at that time in that company? I think it would have sucked what little life of me <laughs> was left if I'd tried to champion that idea. So no, I am. Um, yeah, I ran away. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like you're running not away, but into who you are and what you want. And uh, I mean, the, there's so much contradiction and like stretching and the conforming and the checking when you have to balance and juggle the different versions of who you are, how you show up, especially with employment. uh, And especially when you have the job that finances your dream or, you know, multiple hustles. And uh, I know that very well. And it's, it's hard to, it's exactly right. Like being able, having to switch it up and going from one thing to the next, it's like, uh, 
it starts to confuse your own soul of like, wait, who am I? What am I doing? And, and really like it's, it's exhausting and being able, like, when can you just show up as yourself? But in order to do that, looking at what needs to be shut in order to do that. And sometimes it's small layers and sometimes it's really big ones. Um, Yeah. That, that, that shedding process, that is, um, that is huge. And when you are living those, you know, Christine, you said it very much feels like dual lives. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. You know, it is. And every so often you kind of test the water and, you know, I don't know, you try and, um, I have a really keen interest in exploring, um, social justice, for example, and over the last sort of six months or so, and I introduced a few conversations in the office, uh, you know, the details of which are probably not relevant, but, um, and I sort of, you know, I kind of, I'd, I'd plant something on the table by way of a conversation topic and I'd almost kind of back away just to see how it was received and, and think to myself, yeah, no, they're not ready. Um, and, and these were fairly tame things. You just think, well, yeah, I, you know, when do I get to be me? You know, I put my hand up and say, I'm 45 years of age and God, how am I, you know, the, the, the life I do have left, how many gloriously long years that that may be. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't got the, the energy or the give a crap, to be honest with you, to carry on pretending to be something that I'm not. And truth be told, I think a lot of us don't even know what that is. We've, we've spent so many, particularly my generation and older, I would say, um, have spent so many years living that, that should life, you know, even mm. if it's self-imposed, I'm not suggesting that anybody made me live a life that I didn't think I wanted, but you know, I lived up to the life ideals of career and, you know, husband, kids and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and then I think there's a real danger that, um, you know, you get to your late thirties, your early forties. Um, and it's not just, you know, when do you get to be yourself? It's when do you get to find out what yourself really is? Because, you know, how many layers of the, the crap have I layered on the top that I don't really know what I am anymore anyway? Mm. So that's, you know, that, that's tough enough to, to do as it is without trying to live, you know, separate lives in two mm. completely different environments. So, mm. Yeah, it's the unbecoming, right? It's the unbecoming oh. of everything that we have been taught or has been ingrained in us from who knows what age and just getting rid of all of that. And that is, I mean, I don't think there's anything more brave than that. But at the same time, it is terrifying because sometimes the person and the qualities and these traits or passions that we do uncover and discover just don't fall in line with the rest of your life. And you're just like, almost like shook, like, oh shit, like, is this, is this really what I'm going to do? Is this really what I'm going to follow and then just disrupt everything around me? Oh yeah, totally. You took the lid off the box, then you went, "No oh, shit!" <laughs> <laughs> it's like, right, but and you also, can. right, and also like though, am I the the only one? You know, when you reach a certain season of your life, and or even wherever you're at, and be like, "This isn't who that person I was five minutes ago, or five years ago, or fifteen for fifteen years. That's not who I really am." But I don't know who the fuck I am, and like, oh no. <laughs> Am I the only one who doesn't have my shit together or figure this out? And like, is it too late? And so we get paralyzed in that fear and that it keeps us quiet or small. But when we start 
airing this out and talking about it, like in platforms like this or, or anywhere, mm-hmm. we realize that there are a lot of me too's there. There are a lot of people who are also feeling that exact same way. It's just, they were too afraid to, to ever say anything or didn't even know how to say it mm-hmm. um, or have the space to explore or the permission to uncover or, you know, unravel who they are to become who they they're meant to be. Mm. Yeah. I mean, and I think unravel is the right word because mm-hmm. it's, it is that feeling, um, you know, I don't want to get too sort of deep into therapy and that kind of thing, but it is almost like that feeling where you've gone to see a therapist and um, about a, you know, a trauma or something like that. And, um, and you don't know what the other side's going to look like. You know, it might not be about something quite so traumatic, but that unraveling that if I take the lid off the box and I leave the lid off the box, mm-hmm. what's going to happen? Mm. You know, there's no, there's no certainty. Is it ever, is it ever going to get better? Is it going to be, is life going to give me more than I can deal with? And even if I can deal with it, what about all the people in my life? You know, if I'm changing into this new thing, what about my husband or what about my kids or what about my best friends? Um, Mm-hmm. Are they still going to like me? You know, am I going to be something that I'm not? And, you know, you have this, certainly something that I've found um, is that you change once you take the lid off the box, you, you mm-hmm. start to change slowly initially, you know, lots of learning and things. And then in all honesty, quite rapidly, because once you, once you take the, once you take that lid off, there really is no going back, you mm-hmm. know, because as courageous as a thing as it is to keep going forward, the only thing that could possibly be worse is putting the lid back on again. So, mm. and the other people in your life don't know all of this, you know, they don't have these conversations that we're having at the moment. And, um, and I think sometimes there is that tendency for them to sort of, you, you kind of get that, to, Oh, what's it this week then? <laughs> that, that kind of approach where, you know, Oh, you didn't want to do that last week. Now you do want to do that. You know, you, you are changing so fast as you're discovering yourself. Um, but if you've been living a life as so, so many of us have, um, and I think this, this, this applies to maybe not as much to men, but, um, and I, you know, I don't want to open the patriarchy can of worms today, but, um, but I, you know, if you've been living very much that should, shouldn't, must, mustn't life, um, that process of discovering what really does matter to you, what your values are where you want to go, what you want to do could turn just about every single aspect of your life on its head. Yeah. That's that's as terrifying for the people around you as it is for you. Oh, absolutely. Because as humans, we, especially now in our society and, and obviously in America, it, we're so ingrained in this culture. I can't speak for other, other countries, other cultures, but you know, we don't, we don't do discomfort we definitely don't do pain uh, and we do everything possible to get away from pain mm-hmm. and, and pain being kind of that overarching discomfort, messiness, uh, uncertainty, the unknown, we, it freaks us out because we don't talk about it. And then there's so much shame and guilt interwoven in between it that, I mean, if you look at our country, I mean, we're facing a huge opioid epidemic because we don't want to feel pain. I mean, that's where it stems from is this avoidance of pain. And if we just 
sit with the discomfort. If we open the box and just let it move through us. Uh, and I always think of the, the, the work of Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor talks about like in neuroscience, how the, the length of an emotion is like 90 seconds, but as humans, we have the power to make that, that feeling lasts a whole lifetime and derail or, you know, shape shift our lives. But if we just paused and let it feel our feels because we're humans and we all have feelings and they're not good or bad, they're just feelings and started to face those fears and traumas and dramas that maybe just maybe we could get a little more comfortable with the discomfort and we can ease the pain a little bit more till it's, it forgoes. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a brave, bold choice. And it does when you start to take that path, it's when you can't go back. Cause it's, that's, I love that analogy of like the box and how you mm-hmm. can't put the, there's nothing more scary than putting the lid back on the box. Yeah, it's mm. kind of like the, uh, you know, the matrix blue pill really, isn't it? You know, did you take the blue pill? Did you put that, did you open the box? But <laughs> I just, I, I'm, always, I'm always, always reminded of a, a, a common friend between the three of us, which is that lovely phrase um, that Judy Parker tends to use, which is you can't unknow what you now know. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you open that box and you start looking at the things that are inside it, you can't put the lid back on again. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there is no going back. Once you take the blue pill, there is no going back. And I just, not that I'm suggesting that we all start taking blue pills, obviously, but um, <laughs> I just, but Katie, coming back to what you were saying about feelings, it's fascinating to me. And I think we could probably do, you know, several series of the po- podcast on this alone. Um, this idea of when did we become a society when um, quote unquote good feelings were okay to feel and quote unquote bad feelings were not? Um, it's actually less about the big F, you know, the, the fear word, but more about um, two really, I think, quite insipid ones. One you just mentioned, which is uncertainty, that idea of we all have, I think we're all born control freaks and we all have to feel like we know that, you know, exactly how things are going to happen, when they're going to happen, how they're going to happen. Um, and the other one that I think is going to cripple us all if we're not really careful, and that is disappointment. Mm learning to be able to sit with our own disappointment that we didn't get the outcome that we wanted because the other person or people that were involved in whatever that interchange was, um, didn't subscribe to our way of thinking, which happens, what, you know, like 10, 12 times a day, you know, it's not a small, it's not irregular. Yeah. 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 And, And the thing is that part of that, like, you know, taking the lid off the box, I think one of the things that we do eventually learn when we decide to take that lid off is that we learn we only are able to control ourselves. So with that being said, you can't control anyone else's attitude. You can't control their opinions. You can't control their actions. You only have control of yourself. And then so with that being said, you have a choice, as Katie likes to say, fail forward. If something doesn't go as planned, okay, sit with that feeling because it does suck, but then move forward, take that lesson, take the experience for what it's worth, and then keep going. Anything that happens isn't enough to deter you off your path. It's just a rock or a tree that's fallen down or a big pothole, but keep going. We're, you know, we're strong women and we have all the tools within us to keep marching forward 
It's just sometimes we need to be reminded of that. Yeah. What would life be like if we celebrated our failures? It'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing is every traumatic, I don't know about um, you two lovelies, but every traumatic thing that's ever happened in my life. And, you know, there's, there's been lots of small traumas, obviously, and there's been a couple of humdingers. Um, uh, but every single one of them, and sitting here now, I'm able to look back and be genuinely, and my mother would kill me for saying this, but, but be genuinely, truly grateful. Um, not for the hurt that other people experience as a result of those traumas, potentially, but um, but for the lessons and what they taught me about both myself my ability to deal with the depth of the depth of trauma and the depth of massive emotions of a negative quote nature Um, and be genuinely grateful for them. Because if I hadn't, I mean, listen, if I hadn't gone through some of the things that I have gone through over the last five or 10 years, I wouldn't have trained to be a life coach um, because it wouldn't have taken me down that path. I'd probably still be happily kidding myself that a corporate badass career was um was still the root of the day and I could easily have made it to 60 breaking myself over you know doing exactly that and would be looking back thinking "Mm, when was the opportunity to have interrupted that because I didn't spot it Mm. so I'm truly grateful truly grateful I I so agree with that I and I feel the same way when I I too look back at my journey and like the traumas and the the obstacles and just the fall and all the falls and that if I didn't have that, the losses and the failures, if I didn't experience grief and sorrow, uh, I would never know what joy is. Mm. And I feel like I feel a very visceral joy because I've had the, I've seen and gotten and stayed within that, those dark shadow moments of life and allowed myself to just be there and, and and feel it because it showed me that I can make it out alive and that I can, and that there is the light too. And that, um, and that's where, and we've, Christine and I keep saying how we have to have a, an episode about resiliency, but like, mm-hmm. that's the resiliency, yeah. being able to stay through and acknowledge that we all hold dark, dark and light within us. But we, when the darkness does come, to not get stuck there, but to stay there as, as much as you need to in order to, to work through it and see the other side. Because once you see the other side, you can look back and be like, wow, we are badass humans that can go through tremendous pain and suffering and, and loss and make it out. And then we can actively choose to either continue on in a way that perpetuates pain or we can choose to have the pain direct us into a new, a new way, a new path. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Mm. Mm. You guys, I'm just sitting back like, Oh my (laughs) goodness. Do I really get to be a part of this conversation? (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is so great. (laughs) I'm so glad we started this podcast, aka recording conversations with our good friends, because could you imagine if we're not recording this conversation? It's <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh. Oh, so, so good. So Pippa, I have to ask, because I know you sort of gave us glimpses into uh, 
especially the last year of your life and your business and, and all the things I'd love to know what you're courageously working on right now. Yeah. Um, well, lots, I find myself, I'm, I'm getting used to the phrase, um, self-employed rather than unemployed at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes somebody says to me, have you got a new job yet? No, I'm self-employed. So, uh, so no, I'm, I've got a few focuses at the moment. I guess um, the very obvious one is really kind of bringing my business to life in a big way because it's taken the backseat so substantially before the, the crazy job and during the crazy job was, well, let's not go there again. Um, I guess a big one would be my wellness, I suppose. Um, I've always had a, an interesting up and down relationship with um, my body. And I uh, I know from conversations Casey and I've had before that uh, we can both relate to that one. That's, uh, that's fun. And it's been, it's taken me, it's probably taken me really until the heart thing to, to start to see my body as something other than something I need to fix, you know, something I need to change in some way because it's not good enough or, um, and it's a, it's been a really interesting change because at the moment I'm really focusing on, um, things that help improve my heart health. So although the cardiologist has, you know, discharged me and said, I'm fine. Um, it's been that kind of, it's been that prompt to say, yeah, I'd quite like to live quite old and I'd quite like to feel quite well, quite good in my body on a daily basis. So it really changes and flips the, the way I think about moving and getting out and the way I think about eating rather than, I don't know, not eating this or having to run laps or, or whatever. So that's a big focus at the moment, literally healing the heart, I guess. Um, and two things that are crazily outside of my comfort zone but we are in true fuck it I'm doing it anyway territory at the moment um one is um a combination of factors including you um two lovely ladies have prompted me to finally be brave enough and um to get the podcast off the ground that I've been looking at doing for so long um I hate the sound of my voice with a passion known only to every human on the planet um the amount of times i ring customer services agents and they say how can i help you sir it's like no i'm not a man um so it, i tell you it takes every last bit of spirit i have to record my own voice <laughs> out of choice uh, but i i just have a desperate longing to do a a podcast on um belonging so essentially what it means um really inspired by that Maya Angelou quote um, uh, when she answered a question in the interview, I belong to Maya, that, that idea of belonging to yourself. Um, but what that means and not just what that means um, to me and to people like me, but I really want to explore that from a diversity standpoint as well. So what belonging to yourself and what belonging in society means from lots and lots of different perspectives. So that's something that I'm, hoping to get off the ground, no, planning to get off the ground by the end of the summer. Um, and, uh, and some workshops locally to me. I kind of, it's about time I built some real, you know, physical local bridges in the area that I now live in. So workshops and sort of creativity and circling and things like that is very much um, on the horizon for the autumn. So yeah, exciting times. Oh my God. I cannot wait for your podcast. <laughs> I love your voice. I could listen to it all day. Uh, and 
I adore, oh my gosh, belonging. Yes. Mm -hmm. I want to live in that podcast Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think that in like what we were just talking about with this dichotomy of our humanness of like how we're trying to constantly avoid pain and, and uncertainty and the unknown and disappointment and failure, the one common link that brings us out of there is connection and Mm -hmm. connection is turning into this, the world of hashtags of community over competition and all these things, but like real genuine connection is where you can show up as you are and feel not only a belonging to like you belong in the group of where you're at, but like that you belong to yourself first and foremost. And my God, do we need more of that? Mm -hmm. Um, So great. I am. Yeah. I'm really excited about where it could go. I really am. Cause there are some serious conversations in there that I want to have, you know, you know what, for entirely selfish reasons, I want to have them. So I'm going to have them and I'm going to share them with everybody else. Please, please do. We need that. The world needs that mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that was okay. Going off of what you just said, I mm-hmm. have had a hard time listening to myself and not being too critical. Um, that is a work in progress. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the stance that I took with the human hour was that I saw value in the conversations that Katie and I were having all the time. And not just because I was benefiting from them um, in one way or another, but because they're was nothing else out there that either of us had found. And so the stance that I took was, all right, if I have to hear my blubbering idiotness <laughs> and the fact that I can't string a few words together, even though I call myself a writer, for the sake of sharing these honest, real so damn good conversations with more people and encouraging them to do their thing, then so be it. It's fine. It's not the end of the world. Preach. (laughs) (laughs) I just, yeah, I I, listen, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's what's probably tipped the balance for me. It's that whole, oh, Pippa, come on. There's far more important things to worry about. um, Yeah. things and I want to have the conversations so fuck it I'm gonna have them (laughs) yes yes and and I love seeing both of you actually really making the active decision despite the fear and the discomfort to create space like physical space for gathering circles workshops whatever because I think that um I mean I wish I could be there to to literally be there and have my have my seat at the table because I I just want to like shout from the rooftops how amazing and lucky the people in your communities and in the UK and in New Jersey or Portland are going to be to um, be in your presence and receive your gifts because it's about time, ladies. Come on, it's about time. <laughs> Thank you, lovely. <laughs> oh, Skype me in, will ya? Just so I can be there. I'll be the one waving on the FaceTime phone. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> 
All right. So the third question that we like to ask everyone is, Pippa, how do you stay connected? And so what we kind of mean by that is how do you stay connected to yourself and away from all the noise, all the social media crap, just all of the bullshit distractions that have a way of creeping in? How do you stay connected to yourself? Yeah. Um, I mean, it circles all the way back to the beginning of this conversation, which is I've gone through periods of time when I don't and I, and I've sucked at it and, um, and I've abandoned all of the things that I know help me stay connected. And, you know, I got the result that I got, <laughs> you live and learn. Um, but I suppose, um, three things really predominantly. Um, I've been, I have a fairly solid meditation practice, um, and it is a practice <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I love that. I keep coming back to that lovely phrase. It's a practice. Right. Um, I'm a transcendental meditator. And so therefore that's 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the late afternoon. Um, do I do it religiously every single day, morning and afternoon? Uh, no. Um, the morning one always happens. Um, the afternoon one gets lost in the midst of time sometimes. Um, but when I do, um, it brings a, a stillness and a steadiness to me that's um, infectious really, you know, and, and encourages me to do it more. Um, and nature, I think probably is the other significant one. I live in the cutest little two bedroom cottage in, in an area of the UK called the Cotswolds um, that uh, I'm surrounded by fields and I have cows in my back garden and, you know, it's kind of like idyllic crazy. And so I just get my ass out the door um you know the trainers go on i don't go out with the view to you know massively you know nailing a marathon or anything like that god forbid um but i do go out and i try to go out especially when i don't want to <laughs> as opposed to when i do want to because that's easy to go out when you do want to and i've rediscovered recently the third one i guess would be my love of cycling um mm. There's a, there's a cycling, it's not a race at all, but there's a cycle, there's a sort of sponsored cycling thing that happens in the UK every year called the London to Brighton bike ride. Um, and I did it for years and the last few years I haven't for various different reasons. And I've just literally in the last six weeks dusted off the bike again and started, um, which is, which was helped having found myself newly self-employed. Um, I'm cycling everywhere. So if I go to the store, I'm cycling to the store. I'm, I'm, it's sounds idyllic, doesn't it? I cycle to the farm shop every day to buy my vegetables. <laughs> I am such an old woman. Uh, <laughs> or you're living the dream. <laughs> no, no, that sounds like I'm just over here. Like, when can I come to England? To, yeah, to cycle with Pippa to the farm stand because yeah. that sounds fucking amazing. Yeah, so to, so to be honest with you, they're really simple things. They're, there's nothing, you know, there's no neuroscience in there at all. It's all just, it's just tending to myself. It's knowing that I need some time. It's knowing that I need some stuff. It's not always knowing what that stuff is and trying something. And if that didn't work, trying something else. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that because I can... I can tell you value that so much. And so, and like you mentioned earlier too, like knowing your values and being able to infuse them into your life in a way that helps you navigate it mm -hmm. to be fully yourself and also to feel fully alive, which I mean, that's 
that's the whole goal, right? Of like this whole being human thing, right? Is to like feel fully alive. <laughs> Yet somehow mm-hmm. we lose that somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we get confused and think it's all these other things, but, oh, yeah. um, and just this whole notion. And I know this is something I'm really working on is like how I can do less in order to feel more, uh, which is it is it's hard. It's very hard to switch those gears. Oh, completely. Because it's very, very easy for self, that lovely Instagram version of self-care to become yet another tick list that you can whip yourself with because you haven't done it today. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, That is such a load of bullshit. Can I just go on the record and say that? (laughs) It really just like it makes my blood boil even just thinking about it. Right. Because to be real... (laughs) my it's friday we're recording this on a friday my self-care is not going to look like bubble baths and champagne and candles and meditating for an hour and a half it's going to look literally like me in my really old crappy pajamas watching gilmore girls for like the 657th time (laughs) i'm not even mad about it it's like that's it because i just need that's what i need um and that's certainly not Instagram worthy. <laughs> what you mean? What you mean? You're not going to pull yourself a bath and put petals in it, no? No. <laughs> How disappointing. I know, right? <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. This is. Uh, I mean, can we do this every week? <laughs> we sure can. <laughs> I I know we are doing it every week, but like Pippa, this is the first of many. Please come back. We we adore you and this conversation was just uh, like soul nourishing for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I want to know, I mean, I just adore you and everything you're doing and I'm so eager to see and support and celebrate all that's coming up for you. Cause I know you're on the edge of something really incredibly incredible. So for all our friends who are listening uh, how can people find you and connect with you? And how can people in your area find you too so they can come to all your incredible gatherings um, that you're going to hold locally? I'm actually really easy to find online, believe it or not. I'm, I'm parfait not perfect everywhere. So I'm, I'm parfaitnotperfect.com and then exactly the same on, on the Book of Face and on Instagram and, you know, other social media channels that are available. Um, not that I subscribe to any of them. Um, <laughs> oh so yes, you, you can get me at parfaitnotperfect.com for sure. Awesome. And where can you tell our listeners where you're located in, in the world? Yeah, well, I'm in the UK, as I'm sure you can tell by the uh, obnoxious British accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I live near the city of Bath, the beautiful cathedral city of Bath, which is incredible. Excellent. So if in case anyone is in the UK (laughs) or near there, be sure to hook up with Pippa because I have a feeling you're going to be creating some really, really inspiring spaces for women to gather and humans to be human and, and feel like they belong. I'm really excited for it. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to talk you guys into coming over to the UK at some point and joining us. Oh, that's happening for sure. Let's put that on the list, the list of to manifest. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Such an honor to have you in this space and share the space with you and just be real. And uh, I'm reminded of 
something that Christine and I talked about in um, in episode three was how we have to redefine and reclaim connection and that sometimes our support systems, our true support systems that, that can embrace our good, bad, and messy sometimes have to be on other continents and other in other countries and through screens, but it doesn't minimize like I feel like you're in my living room and we're having this conversation mm-hmm. with with tea and just or beer for mm-hmm. beer for Christine, mm-hmm. tea for me, and we're just like connecting as if we do this all the time. And that's just so fucking cool. I love it so much. We love bringing you everyday conversations along with real talk with amazing guests. If you liked what you heard, be sure to rate and review or screenshot the episode and tag us on Instagram at the Human Hour Podcast. Stay tuned and stay human.